Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the 100th episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. That's a pretty fun milestone that we're celebrating this episode. Thank you so much for being with us, either for that entire journey uh, or parts of that journey. We really appreciate you being here, listening, giving us feedback, and joining the conversation. This week, Dan, Adrian, and I sit down and we talk about the difference between change and transformation and how people don't change. It was a fantastic conversation. I can't wait to dive in. Let's go. Hey, gentlemen, how are you? Dan, Adrian? So good. Glad to be here. Yeah. Excellent. Good to be with you. This is our um, 100th time doing this. Yay. Yay. Are we done now? Are we done yet? <laughs> For anybody that's just listening now, you're going to be shocked that we still suck this bad. You know? <laughs> so, you know, whatever that is, it feels like some sort of milestone, which is cool. 100 yeah. episodes. That means we're sticking with it. At least we're committed. Yes. So congratulations, gentlemen. Uh, This conversation, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, we just finished up the impact series in Nashville last week and what an incredible experience it was. What is it? What 14 or 15 company founders at the table uh, for two and a half days, just digging into the shit, just getting real about it, coming to the table with challenges and, um, I left that experience just so um, excited for these conversations that we have on the podcast. It, you know, there wasn't one thing that came up in that room that I wasn't like, oh, we have an episode on that. Oh, we have an episode on that. Oh, go check out the episode on that. And um, I don't know, just just really looking forward to the future of the podcast, where we're going with this, to continue to have these conversations. This week, I wanted to talk about something that was a topic in that uh, in that training last week in the impact series and that's change versus, or maybe not versus, but change and, and transformation. What are the differences? What are typically when a business owner, a founder comes to us, there's something they want to change. Um, and, and, and that's typically the, from my experience, that's typically the language they use is I want to change this thing, or this has to change. And it's always the opportunity to investigate, you know, what is it that you want to change? Why do you want to change it? What does change mean? And might there be something more powerful than change? So I wanted to just tee it up that way for you guys. And let's start maybe by talking about change. What are people talking about when they, what's the experience of founders or business owners or executives when they're talking about change? What is it that they're, that they're wanting? I also want to mention the top of this, Dan, change imperative. Um, if, I mean, this, a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast is uh, in the context of the, the ebook that you wrote, Change Imperative, which I'll also link in the description of this episode. It's great, great additional resource for this conversation. But Dan's, Dan's pointing to Adrian. He wants you to start off the conversation about change. I can see he's lit up. I just, if you got something, go, man. Well, I'll start wondering about it with you guys. I mean, okay. so what, what do people most 
So the question was like, when people say they're seeking change, what are they usually talking about? Mm-hmm. You know, what I, my experience is what they're usually talking about is they want the, they want a something different happening now. And they're upset about something that's happening. First off, they're upset about something that's happening. And they want that to be different. And they, they'll call that, they want that to change. And so it's a, it is a, usually it's a tolerated context, like something's been happening for a good while and they've been, they've been frustrated by it. And finally they get to this tipping point. It's like, I want this thing to change. And, and most of the time it's situations or other people, most of the time situations or other people, that's usually where um, the, the source of the complaint comes from. So they're kind of like, how do I get this person to change? Or how do I get this team to change? Um, or how do I get this process to change? So it's, it's like that. So anyway, that's, I think the direct answer to your question is like, people are just like frustrated and want relief from the frustration. Yeah. They, they tend to be externally motivated and there's something in the mood that the, they want, if you think about this in the culture, you know, we want better. I'll be better at that. We got to do better at that. Mm-hmm. So it's all about more, better, or different, as Adrian said. But the mood is like, what I have is wrong, bad, or broken, which causes people, nobody wants to be associated with wrong, bad, or broken. So change means, you know, getting rid of it. I don't want to deal with it. Um, it's usually in the complaint mindset. And yeah. so it's count. What we do is very counterintuitive to that whole mindset because we want to go into the problem. We want to hug the cactus as we've talked about. We want to get close to what's not working because whatever that is relationship wise, circumstantially, the, what we believe and we've, you know, we've, What's going on is where the gold is. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I can't get to what's going on is because my mindset is in a place that it's judging or evaluating it as wrong, bad, or broken. If something, and so I, I don't certainly want to be associated with that. So I, I, I we're thrown into a defensive posture almost a repulsive posture. I, it's like a magnet, right? Two magnets on the opposite side where you can't put them together. You, you want to get away from it. And so that resistance causes me to want to get away from the very thing I need to get real closer to, to connect with what's wanted and needed, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so change is always oriented in that sense to the past, right? So, because how can you know what's more or better or different without looking at what you had in the past, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's just that it becomes, it's like driving your car, looking through the rear view mirror. Right. Right. So you can do that, but you're probably going to bump your way along. <laughs> you know, yeah. You're going to brush into things and, and it's going to be bumpy to get to where you want to go. And, and, you know, there's some payoffs in that. You feel like you're really working hard and you're making some progress. And and certainly there are times when you just incrementally move along until you leap, right? Mm-hmm. But I would suggest that there's a much larger 
domain of possibility, in a, there's another form of change we call transformation. We're certainly not the ones who invented that. Werner Erhard and the human potential movement was deeply kind of rooted in that at the at its second iteration. But they got it from some very powerful thinkers like you know Soren Kierkegaard and Martin Heidegger and you know Whit, Wittgenstein, these phenomenological thinkers who were saying, hey. And, and and there's if you think about it too that there's a in the school of psychology in the school of Vienna the Vienna school of psychology you have three key thinkers you have obviously Sigmund Freud and Carl Jung and the less known uh, Alfred uh, Adler and uh, and and Adler was a phenomenologist that people don't know he's more kind of a he was a philosopher as well and his point. You know, he, his argument often with Freud was it, he didn't believe it was the past that was causing people trouble. It was their idea of the future. Mm -hmm. That if you if you have and, and neuroscience has come to show us too that like it's future language that transforms current state. So if I start to think about a future worth having completely independent from the past and I look into the moment from that future. That doesn't mean you get rid of your past, but you're not allowing the past to determine how you see the moment. You can still draw on the wisdom of the past, but you're really looking at that, that moment from the future you want to have. That perspective can transform how you engage the moment. Mm -hmm. and, and you can actually see new ways of being with whatever's going on. So there's this moment before we talk, before we dive into what transformation is or how we, we uh, define transformation dan there's this moment in um in the revenant the public training that we do uh or that you do that you that both you and adrian facilitate and it's always such a fun moment because up leading up to this at least my experience of it is that everybody's getting their concerns on their table everybody's getting these things they want to change in their life right that's why they're there they want something different whatever yeah. they have is broken in some way or wrong or bad and they're there to change it yeah and you you and tell I, them you tell them i have some bad news i have some good news and i have some bad news what do you want first? And Typically they, bad news. I love to hear that because it's just tends to be more valuable to go to the bad news first because that's where the joy is. Thank so you. what's the bad news? So the bad news is you're not going to change. Why do you say that? Because you're not. In other words, if you struggle with lust, lying, exaggeration, withholding, hiding, if you struggle with whatever your defense mechanisms are that you've identified as wrong, bad, or broken, whatever they, whatever comes up when you're most afraid to protect yourself with, whatever you tend to go to, to, to satisfy yourself or kind of make yourself feel better, even at the expense of your health or whatever, those things, those urges aren't going away. Now, and why I say that is because I want people to be realistic about when they leave the training, they're going to have, they're, they're going to have a powerful experience, but I wanted to realize that that's because you actually started to embrace those things instead of trying to get rid of them. Mm -hmm. You can, you don't have to, 
you get rid of them. It, it's that how I relate to them. Like if I don't want to look at them, if I'm in constant condemnation of myself when they come up, then I take myself out of my life when they come up. And I feel hopeless because it seems like I can't do anything about them. So why even the assumption is kind of oftentimes even unspoken or unrecognized. I can't have the future I want because I've wrestled with these things and they're never, they don't seem to stop plaguing me. So how can I ever get to this future? Mm -hmm. And so the question is, well, if you didn't have to get rid of them, if you could take them with you and, and they could contribute to the future you want, would you want to know? Right. And, and there's great release and a sense of possibility when people get that, that, that that's what they can do, that these things can be, a, instead of an enemy, they can be an ally. They can transform. I can have them more than they have me. When they come in, up in me, they're telling me something about myself I'm probably unaware of. And the closer I can get to them, and this is Carl Jung, you know, kind of shadow work, the more I can get in touch with that dark side, the more I integrate that into my life, the more powerful I will be in transforming or having something new. That's what transformation is about. It's not about more, better, or different of the same thing. It's about something unprecedented something that has no history, something that's new, that brings life because it, it's, a new, it's a new relationship. And so then that, that takes a different kind of work. It's, it's very paradoxical because you would think by doing some shadow work or getting into and learning about embracing that part of yourself that you judge so darkly, how, how that would open up a beautiful, bright future, most people don't get it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and, but when they experience it, it's profound. Yeah. Adrian, in the context of this conversation, this podcast, leadership, naked leadership, and you think about like this idea, like we don't change, um, at least not immediately. <laughs> um, why is that, why is that a beneficial principle or a beneficial idea for leaders to consider in the context of their business, leading people, leading themselves? Why, why is that valuable? Well, I was just thinking about a conversation I got off with the client today, a new client. And a part of the, the crux of the matter was uh, his business partner and his new fiance don't like each other. And his, his aim on the call was to fix it. Mm -hmm. which is another way of saying, change it, change it. I mean, fix is like, let me get, let me get it back to its previous state. You know, as if that's all there, as if that, that's all that was possible anyway, was the previous state, you know, so it's kind of pain relief. It's taking Tylenol, um, but it's going to come back anyway to, to Dan's point. And wh why is it important? Um, well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you asked that question that way, but why is it important? I, it's not that important for most people. I mean, the, I mean, what the, you mentioned Kierkegaard. I mean, one of my, our favorite quotes from Kierkegaard is men find a level of despair that's tolerable and call it happiness. Um, settling. And, yeah, settling, right? That's why most people don't find, I mean, we'll settle for change. I mean, change seems like I'm busy trying to make things better. 
I'm busy trying to make things better. And it's very, we like to feel proud of ourselves for trying. Um, but there's usually not a lot of risk in trying. Even trying in and of itself is a very uncommitted state. Mm -hmm. It's I'm going to do what I can and, and doing what I can usually doesn't require much courage. And, you know, doing something that I don't think I can do for the sake of a future. Now, that takes some courage. So most people would rather do do what they do, what seems appropriate so they can check a box like they did all that they could to justify themselves and, and keep up their old view of the world. That's a lot of words. But if so, why is it why is it important? It could really be important and not to like get romantic about it, but I think this is really where the, the sense of life and death really happens. This is where like the sense, like you know, when somebody's like overwhelmed and burnt out, what, there's, what they're confessing is I'm kind of done going after life. That's usually what that's code for. I'm done doing what it takes to enjoy my life. And now I'm a victim of these circumstances or these pressures or these people. And, you know, and so they can keep like, they can keep up that old game. Um, but why it could be really uh, worth it is that something brand new could happen, which is the way I took the conversation with my client today is, well, I want you to spend time thinking about what do you want? What do you really want in the context of your relationship with your business partner? What do you want in the context of the relationship with your fiance? How are these very, how are, how are these inextricable? And how does each party, how they orient themselves to that answer, how does that affect you? And, and how, and, and, you know, if, if, if both parties, if one is committed to conceit and one is committed to bitterness, what future is that going to be for you? And I want you to consider that and really, because that I want, I want that kind of despair to get on in hypercolor for him. Um, Cause if he's just trying to fix it, then it's just like, you know, what he literally said was when we hang out, I want it to be polite. Um, and wow, what a low bar, <laughs> right? you know, what, what a low bar. And, you know, at least that's, that's the mood of what he was saying. What, and, you know, it's just like, I just want this thing. So, why is it important? Well, because vitality comes out of the possibility of transformation, really. And I know we're kind of exploring this change model first, but death also comes out of the best I can do is incrementally make this a little bit better until I'm in the coffin. You know, I'm like incremental. Maybe I can maybe make it a little bit more. This is why this kind of like um, incremental thinking um, actually is, is patted on the back. Because that's why even in business, people are like always talking about best practices and how do we mimic best practices, which is the best idea of yesterday. And we're justified if we're doing something like the industry leader, instead of saying, I wonder what type of thinking they did to generate this brand new idea. And what if we did that? Or I wonder and if we, we could generate our own good ideas. That's right. That's right. What if we got in this other, this other type of thinking, which Dan alluded to? So, you know, I mean, that's why I think it's important. That's a long answer and kind of yeah. wandering through the answer, but it's like, but that's, I mean, it's, I, I don't want to get, I, I always preface it. Like I don't want to get all hyperbolic, but really, I don't know, vitality. If I think I can just make it a little bit better, uh, is that, is that worth, is that worth it? Well, you know, I think you, I mean, you helped me. I, I had a conversation with a client today and, and, um, 
he is really depressed about the way things are turning out for him in his business and with his family. And he was telling me about how he would feel so much better if they would just do this and if this would just occur in his business. And his whole thing is the more, better, different. If I could just get a little more of this, a little better than that. And and I I, I started to ask him a question. Like I said, what is if what if you what what do you want? Do you want to feel better? Do you want to have feel good about this? Or do you want to have meaningful connections with your family and your the people you work with and your clients? And he goes, What do you mean? I said, Well, what if you could have a meaningful experience and it didn't feel good? Like you really got how you're engaging with your wife right now is either going to, because he's setting up uh, a, a he went, they're going to redo their vows and stuff like that. And, and I was asking, and he was saying she had asked him to do something and, and, and he, he did it, but he, he, he came back with her, like he promised to do something, but he came back on the commitment scale at I will, I am, I will unless and until versus I'm committed or I'll do what it takes, right? I will unless and until. And I said, have you thought about how that's going to impact your future and this whole event, right? And he said, no, I haven't. I, I, I mean, and I, I just asked him, I said, do you think that what you do now, how you're with your, you know, how you stand right now is going to impact it? What meaning do you want to have then? Because for him, it's uncomfortable. You know, there's a lot of things he has to do in order to, in order to accommodate what he promised, right? And it didn't feel good. And I said, but what meaning would it have if you did it? Right? That's a very different question because now I, I really believe that most of the times when I'm when I get into a more better different mindset, what I'm doing is I'm I'm hedging my disappointment. I, it reminds me, it never, it's never been more poignant for me than when we work with people in prison, kids or adults in prison. They're always, they don't want to care about anything too much. Mm-hmm. Because if you do, it can be used against you. It can be leveraged against you, right? You can be extorted. If somebody finds out how much you care about something, anything, they can use that conceptually to extort you because they're going to destroy it or take it from you unless you give them what they want. And and I often notice that in myself and I've noticed it in my clients that I will try to mitigate or manage the possible disappointment in a, in something I'm committed to. And at that moment, I'm now playing, you know, I'm changed. It's the change game, more, better, different, and I'm kind of mitigating how I'm going to participate. Whereas if I'm really going after the meaning, like this means a lot for it to occur. The failure shows up if the potential failure as a stepping stone to that meaning. And I'm probably going to be uncomfortable on the way to, to getting that to happen. And I think in this case of my family and my marriage, that there are many times where I know I had to like, do I want to play the more better different game here and just get by, which I'm probably going to pay later with penalties and interest, or am I willing to risk everything for the meaning 
and continue to like have that conversation and open that up and risk what the immediate discomfort will be for the long-term pleasure, you know, the long-term yeah. gain. I, I yeah. really think that's when we're talking about transformation, it's the game. It's a meaningful game. It's playing the long haul. It's, it's like, Oh, I see. I learned from this. This I want this over here, even though I've never had it, even though it's never occurred, it means a lot to me. I'm and, and going after it is more meaningful than settling with what I already know. Mm. That's so that brings bring you alive, right? Yeah. So what's the good news? What do you tell the people in the training the good news is? Well, the good news is you can transform. In other words, how you have your dark side, how you have all these mechanisms that go off inside you can transform. You can learn to learn from them. You can, they can help you find, you know, declare and or bring forth the future that is meaningful because they, they are now going to be allies. So when I, for instance, with my wife, when I notice that if I start exaggerating or lying, or I notice myself doing something, not telling the truth, it's usually because I'm afraid of a co- what I perceive as a consequence. Mm-hmm. It's usually because there's something I feel I've done wrong. And if she knew, she'd withdraw from me. So what is it that I need to talk about in a way that she could receive it? And we can have the discussion. And what am I putting at stake? And if I don't put it at stake, what am I going to inherit? <laughs> right? So the that that's a whole, and so I can catch those things really early. I can catch my 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 fraud. I, like I'm afraid I'm a fraud, so life can be proved to everybody I'm not a fraud. When I start running that, then I must be afraid of something. What am I afraid of? And it, by handling, how can I handle it to bring forth the the future I want with this person or yeah. situation? Right. So transformation is that kind of engagement with you know, with what you're committed to having and your own machinery, right? You don't have to get rid of the machinery. Just think about how distracting that is. You're you're trying to get rid of what was designed to protect you. (laughs) It's not going to happen. It's not going anywhere. Huge. It was a huge unlock for me. Um, I don't even remember the first time I learned this from you guys and, and, um, I think it was probably early, probably first times were early on in my work with Adrian in my film business, but just this, it was a giant unlock for me. The transformation is a shift in perspective about what I think or make up is in the way or whatever's wrong, bad or broken about me, like shifting that to like, Oh no, that's actually how I get what I say I want. That is transformation. Then meaningful things can happen in my life. And that's when they, yeah, that's when they happen in my life is when I incorporate all of that stuff and, and see it from a different perspective, that is transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Don't you remember Chad, like in the beginning, you, you and your beloved business partner, you guys, I mean, it was like, how do we make this work? Was like the question, how do we fix this thing? How do we make it work? And it wasn't too long where I was like, you guys don't want to work together. Can you just like, Absorb that one and imagine a life beyond this. And then yeah, all that's you guys how it, are like, 
that's how it's working you don't want to work together that's how it's going yeah like you both you didn't want to do it you didn't want to do it anymore but you're busy you know wrapping the thing a thousand times around in duct tape instead of saying hey let's abandon this capsule it's not what actually we want anymore but but who am i on the other side on the other side of a big decision right that's what people are are scared to death of considering who am i without this thing that is sometimes a very convenient distraction I mean, how many people love to be busy, which is code for love to be distracted most of the time Mm -hmm. instead of like fully engaged in something that's meaningful. That's not busy. That's fully engaged in something that's meaningful. And look, I I created the world I have right now. I can uncreate it whenever I want. But people give up. If you give up the distracting, um, the convenient distraction, I don't know. I don't know who I am. Like, for example, if I'm hard on myself and I say to myself, I don't want to be so hard on myself. But I don't get the idea that me being hard on myself is one of my favorite hobbies. <laughs> right. And, and, and one of the, you know, and like one of the, these patterns of thought that when like any of us have all these patterns of, you know, belief and behavior, you know, are just thought that, you know, we don't know, like if I wasn't so hard on myself, what would I think about? Like, I don't know, like what's well, over there. If I, if I give up the pattern of shame, and like, and, and say, okay, let me give up. Let me just, let me imagine a life right now. If I'm not spending time wondering what's wrong with me and yeah. actually give myself to what might be worth building and having. Now that's a little bit uncomfortable. That's uncomfortable. Shame is really comfortable. It's at least a known discomfort, which is comfortable. Yeah. An unknown discomfort is wonder and exploration and transformation. And that's why most of us would rather just incrementally try to get better over time. So we can keep being carpet baggers of catharsis. But just, just yeah, carpet baggers of catharsis. <laughs> That's excellent. <laughs> well, you, if you think about it, just the idea of meaning means you care. And if you care, you can be disappointed. And, you know, the whole idea of being cynical is to, to, to dial down the potential disappointment. And what it does, it dials down my investment, which then dials yeah. down my effectiveness, which then reinforces my cynicism. Yes. Right on. Right. right and, and, and so it's a self-serving, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm confessing, right. This is what I sure. realized on my own. Like, I, I mean, literally I meet people from when I was a young man and I was in my lifestyle that was, and they'll say to me, Hey, what's the gig? What do you got going on? And I'll say, uh, nothing. I'm just actually really married and with my family and I love them. And yeah. Okay. And, and, then, and then, you know, they'll say, I heard you're an ordained minister. Like you must be making a ton. What's going, what's the scam? <laughs> because they're talking to who they knew me to be, which was legit. Right. And yeah. I just laugh because I, that's when I realized, wow, I'm, even though that person's still here, I have, I've used that, that machinery that used to, undermine the quality and integrity of my relationships to actually identify what was wanted and needed to increase the quality, meaning and integrity of my relationships that facing that being able to put language around that inviting people into it actually opened up the kind of future that was beyond what I thought could be, you know, there. And so I think that's, that's really the good news. That's, the good news is that the the doorway to the future you want goes right through the shadow. So what I'm hearing you say, Dan, is what made you a good gangster also makes you a phenomenal husband, dad, 
minister. Oh leader. yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? I think I think I got one of the best compliments I've ever gotten the other day on LinkedIn, the guy reposted something, one of the videos they put up of us in the training room. And he said, this guy coached me for five days. And if you want to meet somebody who can see you coming a mile off, you know, this is the guy. And I never thought of it that way, but I think if you're in touch with that in yourself, you can help people learn that that's an ally in them. Mm -hmm. like, like the thing they're condemning themselves for is literally going to be the guide. It's part of the guide that they need in their hero's journey to get to where they're headed, you know, what the, to what's really meaningful for them. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, and, and I know we're, we're short on time today. And I mean, we should probably do some more about this. I'm guessing people might enjoy this conversation and where it's headed. It's, this is integrity. Integrity is not perfection. Integrity is not having your shit together. Integrity is keeping, is absorbing all that is mm. and, and really owning all of your thoughts and feelings and, and motives and where you're coming from and what you're scared of and just owning all that shit. Like we're the generator of all that. Not that we didn't originate it. We're just human beings. It's happening through us. And if I can integrate all that, then I've got a real sense of freedom. Because like I am way beyond any of those things. Like my commitment can pull me through any of the things that might disqualify 99% of humanity because they've chosen that XYZ disqualifies them and they're going to just try to get the best they can out of the rest of this you know, trip around the world. But for me, any of that stuff I can carry with me. It doesn't have to be, and I've got plenty of, I could tell stories that take the paint off that wall. Plenty of stories of things that could be really embarrassing, but my relationship to it is that, hey, this is this, these breakdowns, how I, you know, failed others miserably, how I failed myself, how I broke people apart, how I made people cry. Um, like that, my orientation to that is where my deepest learning has come from. And so that generates a real sense of resilience. You know, so, so the evil in me, I'm very friends. I'm a friend with so that that means that anything you've got to say to me, no problem. Been there. I at least know what the thinking is. So it's like I'm wide open to other people. That's when you become a very deep, the possibility of connection to other people. The, the well goes deep because yeah. you, you're just a space and you're an opening for them. And people feel that. And I mean, that's what Dan was to me in my darkest hours. I came to him for some confession and he cried with me. And I thought, this is my guy. He'd been there before. Mm. And so it, this is, you know, so transformation is, is freedom. It's so interesting. And I think this might be part of the, another conversation, obviously. But what you just talked about is the power of forgiveness. Like, in other words, I'm not, I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to send myself from the offense I cause myself. Like, I don't like the way I look. I'm going to send myself from that offense so I can receive what that has to teach me. Yeah. About my impact on others. And, and when somebody else isn't willing to forgive you, the sad thing is they walk around with that bitterness. If you're willing to receive the forgiveness, and that doesn't mean, I'm, please don't hear that mean in any cavalier way where, you just write it off like, oh, 
you know, no, no, I, I really want to be, I want to learn from it, but to learn from it, I have to stop condemning myself for it. And that, that's, a, I think that's at the heart of what we do in the Revenant process and, you know, the other work that we do, every, impact everywhere. It's really at the heart of all of it. Yeah. Hey, uh, if you're listening to this and you're, and you're like, uh, I need to be in that room, that Revenant that they're talking about, we have one coming up. What's What are the dates? Is it full yet? February 24th through 27th. It's not full. It'll be full at 32. I think we're at 25. Okay. I'll link the I'll link that in the description here so people can jump in there if they want to. Great. Gentlemen, thank you so much. Thank you, Chad. Thank always you, Chad. enjoy it. Always enjoy your guidance. Thank you. Bye-bye, everybody. Well, my friends, thank you so much for listening to yet another conversation on the Naked Leadership Podcast. Your listenership and commitment to the podcast means the world to us. If this podcast or these conversations has helped or inspired you in any way, would you mind going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a five-star rating and a glowing review? This helps us grow the movement and reach more leaders and teams. Finally, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing the podcast with your teams and the other leaders in your life. Until next week, bye-bye, everybody.